Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This is the Body of Christ Church, inviting you to our virtual living room, where we discuss today's issues and how those issues relate to the Holy Scriptures. So sit back, relax, and engage in conversation with us. bless you. I am Josiah, and welcome to our virtual living room where we examine recent events and other topics as they pertain to the Holy Scriptures. We give all praises to the Most High in Christ, and we give thanks for God's generous mercy, grace, and forgiveness. This week, we're going to talk about a really controversial topic, um, especially when it, it involves politics, but we're not going to get into the political part of it. We're talking about abortion. Uh, recently, there was a situation where a pharmacist in Michigan declined to give a woman some medicine. And I am going to play a clip so that you can get the full gist of what went on. Well, Michigan, heartbreaking news that she has suffered a miscarriage, but then she says a pharmacist made things even worse. Rebecca Russell from our affiliate WXMI is on the story. It was exciting and scary and nervous. It was an emotional time for Rachel Peterson and her husband Rob when they found out they were pregnant in June. Their plans to grow their family came to a halt a few weeks later. They did an ultrasound and they confirmed that there was no heartbeat and that the fetus was no longer viable and uh, that I had lost the baby. Rachel suffered a miscarriage. From there she'd either have to let things clear out naturally, take a medication called mesoprostol or have surgery. They tried the first option and decided to get away to Petoskey for a long weekend to mourn the loss of their baby. Just kind of get away and relax and try and grieve and focus on healing. When things didn't happen naturally, Rachel says her doctor called in a prescription to the Meyer Pharmacy in Petoskey, but the pharmacist refused to fill it. He said that he refused to fill the prescription because he couldn't in good conscience because he was a good Catholic male and that this medication was used for abortion. And I um, decided to tell him that, that the fetus was no longer viable and uh, that I needed the medication for, to make sure that you know, things progressed naturally. And he said that he didn't believe me. When Rachel asked him to have someone else fill the prescription, she says he told her no, also refusing to let her speak to a manager or send it to another Meyer pharmacy. She and her husband then cut their trip short and drove three hours to the Meyer Pharmacy in Ionia to eventually have it filled. Rachel reached out to the ACLU for help, who then filed a formal complaint against Meyer. The company released a statement on Wednesday saying they've investigated the allegations and can't discuss this specific matter due to federal and state privacy laws that protect health information. And went on to say their practice is based about concern for patient safety and care, balanced with the need to accommodate the religious beliefs of their employees. They say a pharmacist may refuse to fill a prescription based on religious beliefs. However, our procedure requires the prescription to then be filled by another pharmacist in the store. Meyer said if no other pharmacist is available, they'll have to consult with the patient to transfer the prescription to another pharmacy. Rachel says she wants more training for this pharmacist and policies to be clearer, so no one else has to experience what she did. I want fairness. In Ionia, Rebecca Russell, Fox 17 News. And our thanks uh, to WXMI for that report. Okay, 
So that's the uh, the gist of what went on. And joining me here in the virtual living room to discuss this, we have first off our brother Kazakia. Shalom to all the brothers on the panel. Shalom to our listeners. Giving all praises and glory and honor to the Heavenly Father and Son Christ. Looking forward to delving into this topic and bringing out the edification for the listeners. All right, we also have with us our brother Kabar. Yes, one brothers and sisters. It is good one for you and also to be with you. Good to be with the panelists. And good to have the opportunity to delve into the scriptures and for all of us to be edified on this particular topic. So good to be with everyone. Shalom. Okay. All right, brothers. Um, you, you heard the, uh, the clip there. And uh, like I said earlier, this whole thing about abortion is a really uh, politically charged, socially charged, emotionally charged topic. And when you bring it up, if you bring it up amongst friends, in other words, everybody who you're speaking to agrees with it, then that's like best case scenario. But if someone is on the opposite side of it, uh, you could end up actually tearing apart a friendship or in the case of relatives, distancing those uh, relationships because of this particular topic. So since that's the case, it, it, it really um, seems to be really important to gain a really good understanding, clear understanding of what's going on here. So the question here about this clip, though, is was the pharmacist right or was the pharmacist wrong for not dispensing the drug? Okay, so people on either side of this thing. So before we go into answering that question, though, I think it's important to make certain that we get a very, very, the clearest understanding we can possibly get of what abortion is. So I think, uh, you know, this abortion, the one that we're talking about, you know, is the one that where it is uh, medically induced. So, Kazakia, if you would, give me a medical definition for abortion. Right. Now, this is according to medicinenet.com. And it's the, it is the medical definition of abortion. In medicine, an abortion is the premature exit of the products of conception, the fetus, fetal membranes, and placenta from the uterus. Uh, it goes further to state, it is the loss of a pregnancy and does not defer, refer excuse me, to why the pregnancy was lost. It just states that it's the loss of a pregnancy. And uh, what I would like to also do while we're talking about this particular topic, um, this is also yourdictionary.com, and this delves into the types of abortion. So there is uh, therapeutic abortion. There's also elective abortion. There's also uh, spontaneous abortion and induced abortions. So basically you have different types of abortion and it all depends on the individual case of the woman and child in question. But those, those are your different types of abortions as well as the medical definition of abortion itself. Okay. I think, I think it's important that we identify which one of those that we are talking about. Um, So, uh, therapeutic abortion, just very quickly, what is that? All right. So, 
therapeutic abortion is the occurrence is an abortion that is done to save the life of a pregnant woman, preserve a pregnant woman's mental or physical health, terminate a pregnancy that would result in a child with a fatal congenital disorder, or selectively reduce the number of fetuses born as a result of a high risk multiple pregnancy. So that's your uh, that's your uh, definition of therapeutic abortion. But since mm-hmm. we're talking about it, the type of abortion that's most relevant to the case that we're currently discussing is the induced abortion. And the okay. definition of an induced abortion is an abortion that is a result of any procedure done by a licensed licensed physician or someone under the supervision of a licensed physician to purpose, purposefully end a pregnancy. And that's called an induced abortion. Okay. So the induced abortion, it's not even getting into, like, the moral issues if someone's been raped or whatever. It's just saying simply you got a licensed physician or someone under their direction um, purposefully uh, inducing the abortion. Exactly. Uh, It's just something something that man brings on through his through through the science or through his medicines uh, uh, medicines for the purpose of ending the pregnancy. Now, okay. one thing that we'd like to point out for our listeners is that this the young lady in question, according to her, the fetus is no longer viable. Okay, so the child okay. was basically basically uh, dead within the womb of of, of its mother. That's very important in today's discussion. And that is very important. Those details, I want to reserve those uh, for just a little bit later, and we're going to dive into Mm -hmm. all the little details and nuances surrounding the situation. But I want to be real very clear. Thank you so much for bringing these things out about the uh, medical uh, definition for the abortion so we gain an understanding there. Now, Kabar, from what you understand about abortion and the way that people commonly look at it, and I know there's probably a, a wide range, what do you see that people think that an abortion is? Well, um, well, the thing is, and this is this is when we talk about abortion, you know, it's a very, like you mentioned earlier, you know, highly charged political topic, and and it's a very sensitive topic. You know, personally, you know, whether you're talking to right. somebody who is just discussing it, or whether you're talking to somebody who has actually had one. Um, the thing is, when I was younger, uh, 14, 15 years old, uh, I don't know, uh, most people from the New York area, Metro New York area, really, really know about and, and, and it was a nationally wide uh, program, the Summer Youth Program. And during that time, uh, I actually had a job in a plant parenthood. Not actually doing any procedure at all, but uh, working in the administrative uh, part of of the clinic. So, so I've actually worked in one, and um, you know, I've I've seen the females come in and out. You know, I, I've I've uh, I've also, I've also um, as a vendor <clears throat> in various jobs that I had, have been in and out of abortion clinic, and I've seen the, you know. I was recently as a years ago in those settings and situations. And I can tell you personally, 
it's, it's highly emotional, okay? And it's, uh, and it's not an easy topic to even break for people. Um, and people have strong views about it. So, you know, just ran around with for understanding that. When you look at on a secular level, uh, if you get in conversations with people about, you know, what they think abortion is, if you look at YouTube, if you, if you, you know, read various blogs on the social, what you begin to find is that the, the conversation, the national discourse, is structured in such a way that it really doesn't delve into what people think the actual procedure is or the details of what a, what happens in the abortion. But it's more generalized and framed around women's health or women's right to choose. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's mostly your, your bumper sticker, uh, political banner, um, um, uh, ideology or, or, or uh, talking point that you're mostly encountering. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, that's as far as, usually that's as far as the people want to go with it, as far as, mm-hmm. you know, it's a woman's right, it's a woman's right to choose or, you know, it's it's a you know it's a woman's health and a woman's body and she has control over it. It's mostly framed in a political sense, a partisan political sense, and that's you know almost everywhere you look or when you talk, that's the realm where it's kind of confined or or, or uh, uh, held hostage at. So mm-hmm. you know, when we understand this thing on a secular view, that's mostly where it is purposely contained within. You know that that small narrow uh, partisan political view, and it and it's really not allowed to really get outside of that realm. So I'm sorry mm-hmm. I don't have more in depth views of what people actually think about it, but most of the time that's the area it is going to be confined to on purpose. Okay, and and uh, I, I definitely uh, have seen that that's the area, but uh, I've also seen where. People refer to uh, the the, uh, the unborn child, especially shortly after conception, as just a clump of cells. And um, they they probably they the attitude toward it is like it's uh, not much different than having a tooth pulled, you know. Well, um, well yeah. And, and, the re- yeah. and the reason why it is framed in that work in that way is because it gives the uh, and, and mind you, we're, we're talking about, as, as far as on the range of types of abortion, okay, that, that clump of cells aspect is a very small range, okay, because there's a whole range as far as the development of the fetus itself. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, that, that argument is framed from a pseudoscientific point of view to give people the, uh, the, the pseudoscientific basis for making a statement of, you know, is not um, uh, as horrific as some people make it sound. And once again, you know, it's it's a woman's right to choose and a woman's health issue. And so, mm-hmm. really, when you when you look at that small spectrum of as far as cells are concerned, a lot of times if it's because we start talking about the actual procedure, and that's kind of the realm you get into when you talk about that in the scientific 
a layover that's put, you know, on that type of argument is mostly uh, confined to that aspect as far as describing it in itself. Once you get beyond the political talk, describing it in itself is a lot of times limited in that view as far as, you know, it's a bunch of cells and, you know, it's not, it's not feeling, it's not thinking, it's not anything, and no one's getting hurt, basically. So that's why the lump of cells issue, uh, front, the lump of cells argument is, is the most promulgated argument out there among the, all the other arguments that can be made. Okay. So so that's, that's, that's one. On one hand, you have the lump of cells argument. On the other hand, you have someone who says there's never any instance where someone should uh, uh, abort a pregnancy, intentionally abort a pregnancy. There's never any instance. And so in in there, you have a lot of people that just really don't understand this whole thing. But one thing they do understand when it comes to this whole argument about pro-choice or pro-life is that they, they're politics. They're on one side of the fence or the other. They, they're Republican or Democrat. They're liberal or conservative. And they support this because of the politics surrounding it. But we don't want to get into the politics, of course. What we do want to do is we want to find out, if possible, okay, if possible, we want to find out from the Word of God clearly uh, what should our attitude and our perspective, how should we approach this subject of abortion. So, brothers, uh, help me out. Are there any instances in the scriptures where the word abortion is used? No, there aren't really any. The word abortion is not in the Bible. So really, like a lot of different, uh, like the word homosexuality is not in the Bible. Okay. We're not looking for the terms of anything. We're looking for the practice, the act, the procedures, the behaviors, the works. And then we'll understand, okay, that's what the scripture is actually describing. So we're not looking for terms. We're looking for descriptions. We're looking for uh, actual the, the works that are actually being done, and then we'll know, according to the Word of God, what it actually is. Excellent point. So now the question is, um, how is abortion described in the scriptures? Is it is there something in the scriptures that talks about a case where an abortion was done? Well, I can I can point you to one, and this. Just so we kind of get an idea of, uh, first, first, I, I think it's very important to understand the biblical and secular view of children, really, and childbearing. Because, okay. <laughs> you know, you had Barack Obama say that, you know, he has two daughters and, you know, if one wanted a pregnant, I wouldn't want my in, in his endorsement for abortion, for abortion, he said, "I wouldn't want my daughter to be punished with a child." Okay. And you had half the country exactly. to agree with that. Exactly. So, so that's the secular view. Okay. So, you know, understand when politicians make statements, they do uh, what they call um, uh, focus groups on what words are most acceptable and unacceptable. With views are most successful and incredible. So understand, when he's mm-hmm. talking, he, the reason why he's saying certain things because he knows most people agree with certain things or majority 
or enough people agree with a certain things to give himself political cover. So understand mm-hmm. when he when he said that he knew there was a certain amount of pushback he was going to get and a certain amount of acceptance it was, and it was within his acceptable range, and that's why he went ahead and made the statement. So you talking mm-hmm. about a lot of people who agree, a lot of people who agree that yeah, I'm punished with a child because I'm not ready to have one right now, which then falls back on the argument of okay, you know, let's just say we're not talking about rape or anything, you know, untoward, but you somebody, you know choosing in uh, you know of the age point to make the choice of engaging in sexual intercourse you know you have a lot of people who don't mind making a choice to engage in sexual intercourse but are not prepared or don't want to accept the consequences of perhaps getting pregnant from that sexual intercourse so that's the dichotomy to deal with in society today but moving on to to the question when you talk about uh uh the biblical view so we know the second for a large portion of the population, the secular view is, well, it's a punishment if I have a baby when I don't want one or don't expect one, so on and so forth. But when we look into the scriptures, you know, the scriptures and Psalms tell you that the the fruit of the the womb is the Lord's reward. And it talks about, you have many instances, women who were barren, okay, you look at Sarah, Abraham's wife, you look at uh, many other examples where women saw it and it was considered a curse if you didn't or couldn't have children. So you understand there's a sharp difference between the two. When you look at child, having children in general, okay, the scriptures look at it, looks at it in most cases, almost all cases, as a blessing, okay, and the world looks at it in a lot of cases, as a punishment or a curse. Okay, now you, you just said the scriptures look at it in almost all cases as a blessing. So there are some cases where the scriptures don't look at it as a blessing? Well, well, what I'm saying is there are cases where you say in cases where fornication, okay, so say you say a woman commits fornication, you know, a married woman commits fornication with a man and or the man you know, commits fornication with a married woman and that child is born, there are scriptures that talk about the difficulties that the child is going to face because of the acts that the parents committed. So that's why, exactly. So that's why, you know, when we took, when we, we took about instances where it's not seen as a joyful or happy occasion, you have some occasions mm-hmm. that, that sees that negative aspect to it. But, but the point about that, type of situation is, yes, that child can go on and be blessed in the sight of the Most High based on his or her acts, not the acts of the parent. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we, we just want to be aware of those instances. Okay. So, Kazaki, do you have anything um, to add to this whole uh, discussion so, about... So, but, I'm sorry, sorry, but let, me, let me just... I, I was just trying to lay the groundwork, but let me just Give the you know, give the scripture so people can kind of understand and get the most highest viewpoint on it. Okay, so as far as children in the womb, okay, because that's what we're talking about. We, a lot of times we talk about abortion. Right? So Exodus chapter twenty-one and verse twenty-two, the scripture says, "If men strive, that means basically two dudes having a fight. If men strive." and hurt a woman with child, okay? So the woman mm-hmm. with child 
meaning she's pregnant. You understand? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it says, so that her fruit depart from her. Okay. And it says, and get no mischief follow. So her fruit, her fruit depart from her, meaning uh, the child is either born or the, it, it prematurely or so on and so forth. And the scripture mm-hmm. says, and get no mischief follow, meaning the child itself isn't damaged in any way. Okay, so the child may be prematurely born, but they aren't, you know, the child isn't damaged in any way when it actually is born. Mm-hmm. It says, he shall, he shall surely be punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon them, and he shall pay as the judge determined. Okay, so, it, so men are striving. A woman is injured. The, the child is prematurely born. Okay. But their child is not damaged in any way. There's a penalty that those men have to pay, according to the words of husband, and the judge's, the judge's determination. Okay. okay. Then they, they, they pay a penalty. But the other, the other aspect of it is, verse 23 says, and if mischief follow. Okay, so that the child actually is affected and it is damaged in any way. Okay? And it is it, it, 20. It says, and if any mischief follow, thou shalt give life for life. So here it is. The child is miscarried or the child is prematurely born and dies. There's a penalty. Life for life is what it says. Then it goes on to describe it even down to smaller details. It says what? Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, strike for strike. Okay, and so it shows you that when you look at look at that scripture, it's talking about two men are fighting, they injure a woman who's pregnant. Now understand, it doesn't tell you or doesn't describe which trimester the woman's in, whether it's cells or whether it's at this development. It doesn't even discuss any of that. It's considered mm-hmm. life when that woman is pregnant at conception because you're not pregnant until conception. You understand? So we, right. so everybody understand that. When when that sperm enters that egg, pregnancy has begun. Okay. That's so that's conception. A pregnant, that, that's conception, yes. At conception, now there is a pregnancy. That woman is actually was impregnated, meaning the cell and the egg came together. Now the process of life is going to is moving forward okay so that's why it's considered a life and it, it is and it doesn't uh specify at what trimester is considered a life or at what point is considered a life meaning once that woman is pregnant it's considered a life and then if there if, if these men damage um injure that woman and, they, and nothing happens to the child when the child is born they're going to pay a penalty okay but if something do happen to the child, whatever that damage is, that is going to be put on those people who caused the damage up until very, very long. So this is the basis, okay, this is the foundation from which now we want to start to make our decisions because this is the way God looks at it. Dude, this is the way God looked at a, a woman pregnant or a woman bearing a child or a woman who was with child, okay? It's he considers it life and he considers it life to the point where if you damage it there's a price or penalty to be paid even up mm-hmm. into your life so i just wanted to lay that groundwork so now we are thinking from at least a proper perspective 
Wow. Um, the, you know, the way you uh, brought that out is kind of hard uh, for me. I don't know about other people, but it's kind of hard for me to refute that or bring anything uh, against it because you cover everything from the moment of conception uh, all the way up until the child is born. And if anything goes wrong, you know, uh, how that is life. And that's the way God looks at it, it's life. So that's, that's very interesting. Because, can you have anything that you'd like to add to this um, in, in regard to how the scriptures, scriptures look at abortion? Uh, I'm going to read Psalms 127. The brother alluded to it, but I'm not going to read it. This is Psalms 127 and verse 3. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. So all, immediately we see how the Heavenly Father views children in contrast to how society views children. Now, mm -hmm. the Lord views children as something prized, as something special. You know, a child being born, that's, that's supposed to be born, excuse me, that's supposed to be a glorious event. But the way society sees this, for some people, uh, that society sees this as, okay, this is the young lady is pregnant, uh, why is she being punished? Or the, the, the young lady is pregnant, now she can't live out her life due to the fact that she has to now be caretaker to this child. Whereas the most high sees this as, and I'm going to read it again, lo, children are inheritance of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. Now, we're supposed to see that fruit of the womb as something beautiful, as something righteous. It's also something grave and something very sobering. Because when the child is born, it is now the responsibility of both parents, theoretically speaking, because, of course, you know, we're in a society now in which a lot of our children are born. There's only one parent present, usually the mom. At when the child is born And there's only one mm -hmm. uh, parent Providing the care for that child In many cases, not all, but many cases It is the mother But nonetheless, according to the scriptures Lo, children are inheritance of the Lord And the fruit of the womb is his reward We're supposed to look at our children Being born as rewards And blessings From the Heavenly Father Unfortunately, society has a tendency to take something as precious as a child and look at it as a burden or consider it a burden or consider parenthood an option, whether you feel like it or not, whether you, whether you choose to do something with this child unborn or not. That's not according to the scriptures. Verse 4, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that has... Excuse me. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. So to have many children, that's a beautiful thing. That is a blessing from the Most High. That's how your your legacy is carried on. Here again, to, to, to uh, emphasize the point, that's not how society views this. So now, us as men and women that are trying to serve Christ, what is the attitude or what is the mindset that we're supposed to have? Are we supposed to look at children as burdens 
Are we supposed to look at our children as as oh my God, now I can't I can't go hiking. I have to stay home and take care of my son or my daughter. Or oh my God, I can't go fishing. Or I can't go hanging out with my friends because I've got to stay home and and make sure that my child is okay or my child is sick. That's the wrong attitude to have. The appropriate attitude to have is this child is a blessing to me from the Heavenly Father, and the Heavenly Father is looking at me as being the person to provide the care, the love, the nurture, and the discipline to this child, not to mention the education. And when I say education, I'm not necessarily referring to the education of society, uh, but I'm really referring to the education of the scriptures, teaching our children according to the words of the Heavenly Father and the, um, the words and example of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of our people, not just our people, but a lot of people, period, they just take on this attitude, well, I'm going to send my child to school and get them to college, and get them to go to college, and then my job is done. No. The attitude or the mindset should be, this is my child, that will, excuse me, this is the Heavenly Father's child, led to me, and I'm going to do what the Heavenly Father says to do concerning this child, because this is his child. That means I am going to teach this child the scriptures. I'm going to teach, guide this child in the example and teachings of Christ. I'm going to provide the love of the scriptures to this child. And when necessary, I need to provide the, 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 the appropriate correction and discipline to this child so that this child understands from a very young age and onward what is right, what is wrong, what is acceptable in the eyesight of the Heavenly Father and what is not acceptable in the eyesight of the Heavenly Father and be that constant guide so that the child, as much as I can, provide that guidance so that the child doesn't make the mistakes that I might have made in my youth. That's the attitude, that's the mentality that we're supposed to have. So okay. abortion, and of course, we're going to go further as to what abortion actually is, actually is but abortion, that and it all has to be taken and evaluated on a case-by-case basis. But the scriptures has a word for uh, what we call abortion, and that's going to come out later in the show. Okay. So, uh, brothers, um, uh, I really appreciate what you're bringing out here. And uh, with this clarity uh, from the scriptures, I want to uh, probably muddy the water a little bit with a couple of scenarios. Uh, scenario number one. Uh, and this is something that I know about that personally happened to someone. Um, uh, this the young woman, um, she gets a ride with someone. Her car breaks down. Uh, she's a black, a young black woman, and uh, a white man gives her a ride. In the process of taking her to get help, he pulls over and he rapes her. Okay. Shortly afterwards, she realizes that she's pregnant. So she's considering abortion. Under that circumstance, Kabar, uh, is that something, a situation where an abortion should be allowed? Well, here's the thing. Um, I can take I can take you to what's the brother's name? 
Um, Gideon is a Gideon. Gideon was the son of a what? Uh, prostitute, right? Oh, I, I don't recall that. It was one that was a son. There was a prophet or a judge, a judge that was a son of a prostitute. I have I have to get the specific scripture, but um, you have you have situations where even Judah, right, one of the twelve sons, he slept with a with who he considered to be a whore, okay, and then mm-hmm. the child was born, and you know, uh, you know, nothing was sought to be done to the child, so on and so forth. But I want to get this example in the scriptures. I don't know if it's Gideon, it might be someone else. But give me a minute and let me let me get that particular scripture so that we can get you know a, a different perspective on on what on the te- you know on the aspect that you're bringing out. Okay. Um, did you want to move on to Zach? Just you know, just so I get a chance yeah. to just listen to this a little bit. Sure, Zach. Uh, Zach, you got a response for that? You know, here's here's a. It's like he's got a response for that. Here's a uh, young black woman who's been raped by a white man. Uh, she doesn't want the, the child. Uh, one is it's a rapist. And another one, you know, here's a, a baby that's going to be of a different race. So it's going to be perceptually a difficult life. And uh, it's causing some upheaval in uh, the relationship she had with the boyfriend and so forth. You know, so it's, it's, a, it's a problem. So uh, under that circumstance, is uh, an abortion in line. Under that circumstance, um, I'm going to read the scripture so that we get everything in this context because it's easy for us to get caught up in, my, in our emotions as to the, uh, the mitigating circumstances excuse me, that befell this young woman and her being mm-hmm. sexually assaulted. But we, we have to maintain, we have to maintain true to the most high and take our emotions out of it and look at the scriptures for what they say, for what they say, excuse me. So now this is Ecclesiasticus chapter 15 and verse 20. And this, uh, and, and it says this, he hath commanded no man to do wickedly, neither hath he given any man license to sin. So the he here is the heavenly father. So in Ecclesiasticus chapter 15 and verse 20, it states that the most high, that's the he, have commanded no man to do wickedly, neither hath he given any man license to sin. So the young lady that was assaulted sexually, the Heavenly Father never gave that man any type of permission to, for him to uh, sexually assault this young lady. Now she's mm-hmm. pregnant. Guess what? The, the young lady in question, even though she was sexually assaulted, she does not have the license or the permission from the Heavenly Father to do wickedly, and in this case, abort that fetus. Why? Because when you read Exodus chapter 20 and verse 13, it states, thou shalt not kill. But the proper understanding of that particular scripture is, thou shalt not murder. Murder is an unjustifiable killing. Now, let's just, I'll give you an example. Just say, hypothetically speaking, somebody is coming at me with an axe. And they intend to do me harm. They intend to they intend to, to kill me, murder me. In the process of defending myself, the person who is assaulting me is killed, 
that's not murder. Okay. Because I defended myself. However, if I look at a young brother or a sister, I look at a brother and I like his shoes, I'm like, you know what? I like his shoes. I'm going to take this gun. I'm going to shoot him. I'm going to take his shoes. That yeah. is murder. Okay. So right. well, in a case like this, that would be murder for the child, the fetus. That would be a murder. Gotcha. So, uh, sorry, sorry for cutting you off, but we don't have a ton of time, and I want you to uh, be as concise as possible about this. Let me go ahead and bring up another scenario, close to the uh, close to the uh-huh. first one. This involves a, a rape also, but in this case, the person that raped her is a cousin. And so, sometimes, you know, I think people have this notion that if you are related to the person that uh, the parents are related close blood, then the children could end up with some type of uh, disability of some sort. So uh, would you speak to that? Would that be a mitigating reason for the uh, abortion? And, and here again, uh, keep in mind we've got a little time here. Uh, is that directed toward anybody specific, or is that just a, across, the, across the board question? Across the board. Across go ahead, Zach, because I'm, I'm going to touch on that other point briefly. Okay, so um, I'm going to read Exodus 20 again. Thou shalt not murder. Now, I also want to read 1 John because it's not just in the Old Testament. I also want to read it in the New Testament. This is 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20. And it says, bear with me a second. 1 John First, uh, chapter 4 and verse 20. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. But he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this is the commandment we have from him, that he who loves God love his brother also. Now, the, part, the reason why I wanted, I wanted to come here is to show that if you truly love the Most High, if you truly are about following Christ, then you have to be willing to apply the same scriptures with your neighbor as well because those two are basically inseparable. If you love the Most High, then you're going to love your neighbor. If you hate your neighbor, then you hate the Most High. So in, in a case like this, it doesn't matter the familial relation. Uh, it's, it's still murder of the child. So now let's ask the question right quick. What mm-hmm. offense does an unborn child have or what was the offense of this unborn child? Uh, and it's so that death is uh, death is what the what the unborn child needs to receive. What was it that was so grave that this unborn child did that he or she has to receive death as a, as a recompense? What was it? Nothing. Nothing. So, but 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 a lot of a lot of people don't think about it from that particular aspect. The death. The child being born, it's not the child's fault that he's being born. We have to deal with the mitigating circumstances behind the child being born. So whether it's a familial relation or not, uh, or whether it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sexual assault or not, we have to look at each and every individual case, okay. but still think okay. about what the Heavenly Father says. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm sure, no. Okay, go ahead, quickly. So, so when we talk about, you know, you brought up the scenario, a woman gets raped, what happens to the child, and the brother brought it out. The whole thing we have to understand is 
okay, a child may pro- be produced out of un, uh, unfortunate circumstances, but the thing is, the child has its own life to live, and the most high can do anything with that child and, and, and make a good situation out of that. So just just to look at that, Judges 11 and 1, it says, Now Jephthah, Jephthah the Gileadite, was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of a harlot, and Gilead was begat Jephthah. So here you have a son of a harlot, you know, or a son of a hoe or whatever, a prostitute, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. most of the times in that situation, you took about somebody, a man, for the case of a woman has a child and don't own, you know, don't take ownership of that child. Well, look, that child was looked at less, um, like his, like like his other siblings looked down on him because he was the son of a father. But the truth mm-hmm. is, what happened with him? The Lord allowed him. To, uh, we jumped down to verse twenty-nine. It says, "In the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed over Gilead of Manasseh, and passed over Jephthah of Gilead from Mespah, and Gilead he passed over the children of Ammon." And it says, "In Jephthah, uh, if you jump down." It says, and so Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. So here is the Most High doing great works through Jephthah, even though he was the son of a harlot. Okay? Mm-hmm. Even though he came out of fornication or an unfortunate situation. Yeah, the parents may have did something untoward, but that child can still go on to do something great. And so you can't make the decision for the life of that child because of the circumstances that you might be in. And that's what we have to pay attention to. Excellent point. Thank you, bro. So I'm going to play the clip again, and we're going to get into talking about that situation with the pharmacist in Michigan. This is the Body of Christ Church. Wrong clip. Well, Michigan, heartbreaking news that she has suffered a miscarriage, but then she says a pharmacist made things even worse. Rebecca Russell from our affiliate WXMI is on the story. It was exciting and scary and nervous. It was an emotional time for Rachel Peterson and her husband Rob when they found out they were pregnant in June. Their plans to grow their family came to a halt a few weeks later. They did an ultrasound and they confirmed that there was no heartbeat and that the fetus was no longer viable. And uh, that I had lost the baby. Rachel suffered a miscarriage. From there, she'd either have to let things clear out naturally, take a medication called mesoprostol, or have surgery. They tried the first option and decided to get away to Petoskey for a long weekend to mourn the loss of their baby. Just kind of get away and relax. Try and just grieve and focus on healing. When things didn't happen naturally, Rachel says her doctor called in a prescription to the Meyer Pharmacy in Petoskey. But the pharmacist refused to fill it. He said that he refused to fill the prescription because he couldn't in good conscience because he was a good Catholic male and that this medication was used for abortion. And I um, decided to tell him that that the fetus was no longer viable and uh, that I needed the medication for to make sure that you know things progressed naturally. And he said that he didn't believe me. When Rachel asked him to have someone else fill the prescription, she says he told her no, also refusing to let her speak to a manager or send it to another Meyer Pharmacy. She and her husband then cut their trip short and drove three hours to the Meyer Pharmacy in Ionia to eventually have it filled. Rachel reached out to the ACLU for help, who then filed a formal complaint against Meyer. 
The company released a statement on Wednesday saying they've investigated the allegations and can't discuss this specific matter due to federal and state privacy laws that protect health information. And went on to say their practice is based about concern for patient safety and care, balanced with the need to accommodate the religious beliefs of their employees. They say a pharmacist may refuse to fill a prescription based on religious beliefs. However, our procedure requires the prescription to then be filled by another pharmacist in the store. Meyer said if no other pharmacist is available, they'll have to consult with the patient to transfer the prescription to another pharmacy. Rachel says she wants more training for this pharmacist and policies to be clearer, so no one else has to experience what she did. I want fairness. In Ionia, Rebecca Russell, Fox 17 News. And our thanks uh, to WXMI for that report. Okay, so, uh, brothers, uh, the things that you brought up so far, uh, Kozakia, is that under no circumstances is an abortion allowed. Now, this medication that uh, the doctor had prescribed is a medication that is often used in abortions. Uh, so this pharmacist, perceiving that, decided that he was going, he was not going to dispense that medication. So, Kazakia, uh, was the pharmacist right or wrong in this situation, and, and why? The pharmacist was wrong in that situation because it's his job to fill prescriptions. Now, of course, whatever his religious beliefs are, whatever his religious affiliation is, that's what it is. However, the point of the matter is, like it was already brought out in the clip, if, if, you know, if you heard it, the, the child was no longer viable. There was no heartbeat. There was no life within the child. It's just a dead fetus within the womb, not to sound harsh or critical. So there, is, there would be no abortion at that point because the child has deceased. The child is deceased. So the only thing the drug was going to do was to help the body to flush that fetus out of the body of the mother. Because if the fetus is allowed to, uh, to remain in there, that material could potentially become toxic and pose a health risk, a health risk to the mother. So the, the, the pharmacist was definitely wrong in that particular capacity. But, uh, you know, one thing, Kabar, that I look at is that there are instances where people had actually been pronounced uh, medically, clinically deceased, and they lived. So how can we say that this is not the same kind of situation where you go to the doctor, the doctor says there's not a heartbeat, and then the baby survives? Well, I mean, th those possibilities exist, you know what I mean? But you got the scriptures that tell you about, you know, um, uh, trusting in the hand of the physician and, of course, overall, the most allowing God and Christ to oversee that situation. And, you know, you have to you have to depend on the expertise of others, you know what I mean? So so it was determined that, you know, the, the fetus was dead and it had to be removed in that situation. And so, like the brother I wrote out, that's the job of the pharmacist. The scripture tells us, Romans 13 and 1, let every soldier, let every soldier be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God, the powers that we are ordained of God. So, the laws of the land be supposed to abide by, and it was procedures in place for if you had religious, um, um, a religious, religious objection, which is to let somebody else Fill the, fill the prescription, but he refused to do that. So he's overstepping the bounds that was set according to the laws of the land and the procedures of his job, and that's what he ran afoul at. 
So the thing is, if, if you have a religious objection, I will have a religious objection. Okay, I understand. So, but I'm not going to do it. Okay, you know, I'm not going to. Uh, I, I may feel an objection to personally doing it, but I'm not going to uh, remove this woman's ability or right to have somebody else do it because that's not within my realm of authority to do. So the, the procedure would be for him to step aside and allow somebody else to do it, which is what he should have done, but he didn't. And that's why, you know, he's been the issue for today. Okay. So, Kazakia, uh, this would seem to me that if someone walked in and the person was uh, pregnant and the, and the baby was viable, okay, what they want this um this abortion medication or this miscarriage medication, if you will, um, and they had a prescription for it, that there should be no problem with uh, any pharmacist dispensing that prescription, even if the woman said, hey, listen, I, I just want to have an abortion. This is the way I choose to do it. So it shouldn't be a problem with a pharmacist. Uh, a pharmacist who believes in God and who believes, uh, who uh, does not agree with abortion. It shouldn't be any problem. Is that right? Well, uh, the brother already uh, illustrated illustrated it. If there is some type of conflict with this with the pharmacist, uh, a religion that he or she practices, and what what he or she has been asked to perform as far as providing the necessary drugs to facilitate abortion, then what should be done is that pharmacist, whoever he or she may be, should step aside. If there is a conflict uh, spiritually, he or she should step aside and allow uh, another pharmacist who is present. To uh, administer the necessary uh, the necessary uh, medication. Now, of course, okay. we all understand that this world is in gross darkness. We understand that, but the overall point is that's the current situation or state of the world itself. And there are persons who are who are going to want abortions just for the sake of having an abortion. When we understand that, first and foremost, marriage number one. And number two, the children that come from that marriage is supposed to be, uh, they're supposed to be brought up and trained and educated in the ways of the Lord, borrowing mitigating circumstances as rape. Okay. So now, brothers, uh, obviously there have been people in the past for mitigating situations and, and, and not mitigating situations that have had abortions. Um, someone may be contemplating abortion right now. Let's talk about someone contemplating abortion right now. If you had an opportunity to sit, Kabar, right now and talk to them and they're contemplating an abortion, what would be the most meaningful thing that you could say to them right now? I would say um, Proverbs Proverbs 3 and 5. Proverbs 3 and 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine human opinion. Nor thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. So, Put it in the hands of the Most High. Understand that this this child, regardless of the circumstances of how it came about, has his or her own life to live, and God can make something very good out of it. And that it is not uh, within our power of, of, or authority to determine life and death. That's up to the Heavenly Father. And so she should trust in the Lord and let the Lord guide her through this entire situation. Okay, and, and Kazakia, for you, uh, l- let me ask you about those people who have actually had abortions. And and when I say those people, 
you know, we always tend to think about women when we're uh, talking about this, but there are men that are involved too, men that actually pay for the abortion, sometimes men that are actually pushing women to have these abortions. And, 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 I, and I think in a lot of instances, this is done out of ignorance. But now, with this information that you brothers have shared, maybe there's a change of heart. Maybe they're wrought with guilt behind this. Kozaki, what would you say to somebody who's in that situation at this point? What I would say to somebody, to that particular person is there's always a chance to better and learn from your mistakes in Christ through repentance. The scriptures tell us, and it's in 2 Corinthians, I believe, uh, chapter 5. Brother, if you got it, just correct me. Well, just, just quote the scripture where it states that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That means any person who wants to repent, male or female, that person becomes a new creature. All things passed away. All things are becoming new. So you're wrought with guilt. You know, you're, you're torn up by the things that you did in your past. In Christ, you have an opportunity to better yourself and learn from that mistake and continue on in that path of repentance, now knowing what the Most High expects of us all, which is to keep his commandment and follow the instructions of the Lord Jesus Christ. And marriage, marriage in Christ, and then the, that which develops from that union in Christ is the child, so that you now can take care of and provide for that child how the Lord has outlined for us to do as men and women in the, in the image of the Son Christ. Okay. Brothers, anything else that you want to just say about this subject on abortion? Yeah, I would I would say that, you know, listen, I think it's really about repentance. It's not about you know, we're not in the in the business of judging anybody. Okay? We're in the business of teaching repentance, showing the example of repentance and and that opportunity, that love opportunity and 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 repentance is open to everyone who chooses to take it. And when we do that then we don't have we, we can understand that God has forgiven us from all of our past sins and transgressions, that we are that new creature in the size of in the eyesight of the most high. And nothing any mistake that we have done in the past cannot be used against us because God looks at us looks at us now as new creatures. Whole whole and, and good in his eyesight through Christ. And that's what we should focus on. That's what we're about. Zach, you've got 30 seconds. Do you have any parting words? None other than uh, all of us have an opportunity to repent in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Learn from our mistakes and press forward and now do things the right way according to Christ's teaching, even raising children. Okay. All praises. Brothers, thank you so much for joining me here today on the program. As always, all thanks goes out to the most high in the name of his son, Christ. So until next time, I'll say shalom. Brothers and sisters, thank you for visiting with us in the virtual living room of the Body of Christ Church. You can visit our website at thebocc.com or you can email us at bodyofchrist at youreach.com or call us at 877 877- 871-1712. Until our next visit, the Most High in the name of Christ bless you. Shalom.